0: Welcome back to East T West, the freshly brewed queer Asian podcast for queer Asians around the globe. For those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome. We're so excited to have you. And if you haven't had the chance yet, go and check out our previous episodes. My name is Izzy. I am your co-host. I am a queer, bisexual Chinese Malaysian living in Tampa, Florida. Hey, everybody. My name's
1: Carmi. I am a lesbian from Los Angeles, California,
0: and I am Filipino Chinese. Today's topic is pretty complex, but I think we've got this down to a science. We're talking about the queer digital space and how we have learned to socialize in a queer community and also explore our own identities through the queer digital space. I think that the best way that we can start us off is actually to talk about how this podcast even came about. What was it that brought us together?
1: Well, we were following on Instagram. I followed you from what was it? Squad 2.0 or Squad 1.0? I'm
0: not sure which it was. It we was on.
1: either the first or the second. And if you all don't know, Squad stands for Subtle Queer Asian Dating. To put Into very broad context, it is one of the subgroups from Subtle Asian Traits. And we've mentioned Subtle Asian Traits before. It's a phenomenon, over a million people following that group. It's a slice of life for Asian kids that are from all around the world. I thought Squad was the only Facebook group that existed for subtle queer Asians. I met Izzy through one of the Squad groups. We followed each other on Instagram. And I was thinking to myself, whoa, like I- I'm starting to really think about Bi-Visibility Day. Izzy and I kind of catch up, as I'm sure all of you do with your friends online. I told Izzy, whoa, this is really cool. Izzy, you have a really good podcast voice. Have you ever thought about expanding? I'm game for anything that is unique, interesting, and it shares all the listeners out there. I'm connected to an amazing queer
0: Asian community that means a lot. To add on to that, I opened up about some of my struggles about being bisexual and it, we had a really interesting conversation about that. And it was a really, really great thing that brought us together and that we felt this needs to be something that we can discuss and share with others. Initially, I, I remember when the first time I saw subtle Asian traits pop up on Facebook and as the page evolved, we started getting these subgroups and the subtle Asian dating first kicked off. I was on it. It's, it's not really for me. It's very heteronormative, so we need a queer option, and I guess that's how Subtle Queer Asian Dating started. We wanted to talk about how people have come to create this queer community space and also exploring their own identity and expressing themselves through social media and online. We do have some prompts. And I think one of them was how, in what ways, some aspects of your queer and Asian identity that you've been able to develop in this queer digital space, in this community. It was this
1: app called Her. It's not a queer Asian dating app, but it is geared towards the queer community. And the way that I found Her was because, as you all know, if you've read my bio, I'm in technology and I'm very much active in women and tech spaces, and her was actually an app designed by lesbians. Normally, I'm not somebody to jump the gun with dating apps, because as a technologist, I see it as an academic and professional tool first, because, you know, I try to be all fancy and stuff like that. So I gave her a try. Cut to the chase years later, squad happened. Again, Subtle Asian Traits is connected to Facebook. There is no primary website for Subtle Asian Traits. Facebook is really the only platform that Subtle Asian Traits is on. And they're all Facebook groups. As you may or may not know, the group chats have been disabled. So people have taken it upon themselves to create their own personal groups outside of the Facebook groups. Just a disclaimer when it's not on a dating app, right, or a social app, it's connected to my profile. You're seeing information that is more available than it would be on a dating app, more personable. I really wanted to present myself as everyone's friend and I tend to really be naturally curious I tend to be a very fashionable person online. All my stuff is high design fashion related. In terms of presence, I have always been out. I'm very much open as an Asian lesbian online. And I think it was finally through squad, I really got to express myself as a mixed Asian. Can you imagine growing up? I had the short end of the stick being Filipino Chinese. I never met another queer Filipino Chinese person. Seriously, your identity does matter online and whether or not you reveal very little to just a simple profile picture to revealing yourself on platforms. Know that your your identity is valid and you can really come as you are. If you feel like wearing a a bow tie online, rock that bow tie online. If you have glasses like me, be that lesbian that wears glasses. Be that queer kid that cuts your hair short. You're in your room dancing, just dance in your room. Don't hold back. Obviously, for employer purposes or for academic purposes, you can be conscientious on some things online and they have great material on how to keep yourself safe online. I was thinking so hard about this podcast. And I thought about you all in wanting to produce this podcast episode with Izzy. It's amazing to see everyone.
0: Carmi, I just have to say, like, me listening to you, I was like, speech, speech, speech. It really is something that we just want to encourage. We want to be here as a support for those who are learning how to find their identity and become brave. And a lot of people, you know, come out on social media and everybody has a space that they control online. I know that it's so much easier to be yourself in a way who you are online and especially when you don't have a lot of support as a queer Asian person offline and then to find this community and I became very brave, it is validation, you know, not just likes and people double tapping on your Instagram photos. I think I'm doing something right here. I, I'm i becoming myself, like Carmi said, you know, wear that bow tie. Is study by the Human Rights Campaign, I believe it was, I'm not sure if they did in 2017 or 2018, but they had surveyed about maybe 12,000 LGBTQ plus teenagers along with the University of Connecticut. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how they said roughly three quarters, about 73% of LGBT youth say they are more honest about themselves online than in the real world. That's a truly beautiful thing, actually. You know, I'm a millennial, I was raised on computers and I fully embrace what we've been given with this digital space. Because for example, with B, I was finally allowed to meet other people who get what it's like to grow up in an Asian community, who get what it's like to discover your your sexuality. And I was able to be even further. I came out in like 2015 through Facebook coming out is usually a process. It's not just this one-time event. My offline event manifested online and I was able to control that space, to control my words, and to really share what it means to me deeply. And for people to recognize it, it's for you to be recognized and for you to be heard. What do you think about that, Garmy?
1: If you're listening to this and let's say, let's say you weren't as open as I am, you know, my Instagram is public now. I used to keep it private due to the nature of my work, but I decided to make it public again. Just as a disclaimer, it's okay at whatever stage you're at. We're just talking about the preface of having the ability to be who you are online, how you feel about yourself and you know how you want to approach the community. We're all evolving together in this space with everything that we're learning about ourselves on the internet. What we search, who we like, what we want to aspire to do, whether it's traveling to a city, that little tiny step is small. Whether it's a like, a follow, or a share, you don't have to have something big to have that matter about your identity. It's really just simply how you feel about the space and how comfortable you feel exploring your identity online and offline. Think about it as the means to an end, and that's what I was thinking of as we were making this podcast whether or not you guys realize that there's been a really long history that I actually researched before this podcast about Asian culture in general online. One of my sisters attended UCLA, and at UCLA, the only online access were for libraries. And then from libraries, there were group chats just to really, you know, share homework and stuff. And then after that, chat rooms and chats like Yahoo and American online, online chats are formed and Asians congregated there. You guys can look it up at some digital history textbooks or online or whatever. And then from there, there was Asian Avenue. And on Asian Avenue, it really was kind of like not meant for dating. And then after that, there were blogs. People started having blogs before Tumblr. And then after that, there was Downy Link, And Downlink was for queer Asians. It was Kind of back then, there was like MySpace too, and technology now is timeless. That being said, after Downy Link, there was Facebook. And then after Facebook, there was Tumblr. And after Tumblr, there was Reddit. And after Reddit, do you see where I'm going? Studying computer science, studying IT... The internet started off very much open. The reason why, and you're going to hear me sound like a technology law expert, which I'm just a fan of it. I'm not an expert yet. Our internet law started off very much deregulated in the United States. We wanted an open and free internet. And that's why all this content is available for us. A lot of these companies, right, were created by startups. So Facebook is a startup, Instagram's a startup. These are all people that had an idea of connecting people together. It's just that the reason why we have this queer Asian platform is because of people like Izzy and myself and you. They're people that create content like create the groups, create the websites, create the blogs. And there are people that are active participants, like you guys listening to this
0: podcast. And I want to pass it back to Izzy. And go ahead, Izzy. I had no idea 99% of the stuff that you shared about that history. And I really, really appreciate it to see, to be able to get that visual of how we've progressed as a community online And being able to, I think about the content creators of, you know, past and present and the future, thinking about YouTube and what it used to be, like, I think what the max was like, what, 12 minutes that you could upload and it'd just be like crappy video cam. I think about faces that people are creating thanks to... Tyler Oakley. Tyler Oakley. Thank you. Oh, I have a
1: story. I'm going to throw some major shade at him. Okay. I'm from L.A., I have to be honest, when I saw Tyler Oakley, he was actually making fun of my date and I. We were very PDA and I, you know, disclaimer, I'm a PDA kind of gal. And I thought to myself, oh, Tyler Oakley, I I have canceled your subscription and that is the T. Girl.
0: Well, you've heard it here first. Actually, what I was getting to, and it's great that you actually added that story because it bolsters my point, is there are content creators on YouTube, for example, who I'm really glad that they have created their content to be able to validate LGBTQ plus people, especially um, teenagers who are still discovering their identity and now realizing there is a space for us. There's look at this LGBT YouTuber who is talking about our issues and who's famous and now is in a place of privilege and power. And that was actually what I was getting to is, The beauty of this digital space and the internet in general is that anybody can carve out a little section for them to be safe and to be heard and to not be made fun of because, and this is another episode that we will have one day talking about discrimination within the queer community, because there are times that we feel very left out and we can't relate. And there are many LGBT icons who rise to power and they end up having privilege and we end up taking our cues from them. I was so happy. I'm really happy to have met Carmi and to be meeting other queer Asians through Subtle Asian Traits and Squad and so on. Because when I think about my offline life, I don't actually have a queer community in Tampa. There is one. I actually co-facilitate for a youth group here for LGBT teens. And I'm really glad to. I'm very happy to. But first of all, the reason why I, I want to do stuff like this is because I want queer youth to grow up healthy and happy with the support that they need to live just as a normal as expected life that people expect for heterosexual people and for, you know, cis people, that LGBT youth, they don't get to have that expectation. So I might be losing myself on the tangent, but let me get back to it that whenever I would go to these spaces, it would always be very much older people, for one, but also very white. I actually had a conversation about this the other day with someone talking about certain people, they have the privilege to be able to explore that identity in themselves. And I think that's actually something that we talked about in our very first episode when we were, we asked the prompt about how prominent are LGBT issues or or, or was your LGBT identity in your Asian family or community. And we both agreed, Carmi and I, that it was kind of put on the back burner because of so many other things that we are going through first with our Asian identities, with other intersectional identities. We are able to create the space for ourselves that we can support one another and that we can really get to those nuances in our identities that need that love and support and that validation. I really want people who are growing up in this digital space to not feel like when they are online that this is something that's completely separate from their so-called real world. And that you can reach across the divide, the cyberspace, and make those connections and build an actual community We have used this digital space to really come out and to be our true selves. And I fully believe that this is something that will translate into our offline worlds and into our communities. For me, not having that space and having a queer community, this online world, this is my queer community. And it has ended up affecting things in the real world. I have this podcast now. um, I'm so glad I can discuss these issues with Carmi, and I've been able to share it with the people around me. I can really flourish in my identity and I hope that others can get that feeling too.
1: I know I'm repeating a lot that I'm a technologist so I can tell you all not just with Izzy's story but with you all again that this identity when I thought of the theme for this podcast episode I felt so fascinated at everyone's starting point. I just started to see it as such a cognitive process you know beyond this idea of we're all just on Facebook. This is—I've heard from some queer Asians like, "Oh, it's so superficial compared to real life." Sure, to a certain extent, but you're still online telling me this, or you're still somebody I met online telling me this. You realize that, right? In my opinion, it's just called digital freedom, right? We're we're seeing other countries. Just other countries in general, I won't name certain countries, where, yeah, it's censored on their platforms. It's really disappointing, but at least we are friends with people in those countries, a lot of us, especially being queer Asians, and we don't take for granted this. We get to follow you all and you guys get to follow us and we're here sharing things. I'm just so fascinated thinking about the cognitive social journey we're all taking just as individuals to really, really, really step into our own space and share what we want to share, be with who we want to be with, see what we want to see. I just think it's a really cool time to be a queer Asian Let me just say, I seriously got gay married on MapleStory. And I was like, this is next level lesbian, man. When your friends show up and you're getting gay married on MapleStory, I said that's lesbian goals
0: as a teenager. Carvey, I love the fact that you were able to do, even though it might be considered to some a parody, but you were able to do gay marriage, to do a life event, online in a space that was created where you can be yourself and do things like I guess kill mushrooms I only know from watching my cousins play maple story I haven't played maple story but you're able to do that without the discrimination and the shutting down that would have happened in an offline situation
1: yeah I was just keeping it real Izzy I just I was like you know what my Asian behind is gonna get gay married today and yeah, y- y'all can be there. Y'all can't be there, but it's still gonna happen.
0: I actually just remembered and just recalled something that I was thinking about when I was talking about Tyler Oakley and you know YouTube. But the fact that we have these spaces that the beauty of the internet is that it's free and it's free from the structures that we have in our offline worlds. And in a way, it's better and it's safer for LGBTQ plus people. I'm actually going to read a quote from the report that Human Rights Campaign did in 2018. One of the the quotes from the teenagers that was surveyed said, my fear keeps me from seeing a counselor about things like my anxiety and depression. I don't know how they might react to my LGBTQ identity. So I'd rather go online and talk to my other queer friends about it. And that's so profound to me. I don't see that as a sad thing. I see that as opportunity. And that's exactly what we get with this online space. We do face discrimination online as well, whether that's within ourselves, but also from a a systemic standpoint, just like how LGBT people face systemic discrimination outside. That's the thing I wanted to talk about with YouTube. There are content creators. I think there's been some conspiracy about and maybe it's not a conspiracy. I believe that it's happening, that LGBT YouTubers, their stuff is getting censored by YouTube or their stuff is getting taken down and they're being marginalized because their content is considered inappropriate. There is a YouTube channel that I actually really want to give a shout out to. And I've been wanting to give a shout out to for a long time called Form of Therapy. There's a producer on there. Um, I don't remember his name, but he says he asked for people to call him PD. I don't know. Carmi, are you familiar with Form of Therapy? I follow a lot of Asian female fitness trainers
1: and K pop girls. Okay, so well,
0: I, I will truthfully say no. Okay. You said K pop. You said K pop. Form of therapy, they, they react to uh, and analyze the production of K pop videos. And provide really, really great commentary. That's why I love that channel. But one of the biggest things be- outside of the reacting to K-pop, which is, I think is the biggest draw and how I actually found them, uh, is that they actually have produced this short movie called One in 10,000, which features two Asian queer women in a relationship. And very recently, PD had said he was getting a lot of pushback and his stuff was getting pulled because people do not want him making queer Asian content. I want him to keep making queer Asian content. That actually brings us quite nicely because believe it or not, we do have prompts on our podcast. Again, this is why I like our podcast. It's because it's really just Carmi and I having a discussion, exploring what it means to be queer and Asian and thinking about all of you and what you might be going through in life, we need to support each other. And that's what I really want to get at is if we want to continue to grow these spaces and to help people, to help especially people who are discovering their true selves and coming into their identities, we want to continue to have these queer spaces as we evolve and suit and morph to fit our needs. How do we continue, like, again, talking about people like form of therapy or thinking about the digital spaces for the queer community, for queer Asians, that whether we're, whether they're becoming unsafe because of each other, because of us, you know, maybe not respecting one another or because of structural things, like, for example, YouTube kind of censoring LGBT content, how do we support one another and continue to keep these spaces sacred for us and to so that we can continue to bring people into the fold who need these spaces, who need the validation to grow into their identities and to discover themselves and to grow as people? How do we support this digital space?
1: I'm going to go ahead and start off personal before I get all teched out. I think support for these spaces comes with listening to yourself first when it steps into the tech space, that inner dialogue with whatever your intention is, stepping into this queer digital space, queer Asian space, just knowing that your intentions are really sincere and acknowledgement that you are going to really find and develop and grow Wherever you go online, that's a good starting point to provide support because when you're able to give yourself support, when you meet other people along the way and you get to know them more online, it really becomes a cool place where... You might just be able to support or cheer somebody else on, even if it's in the smallest form of a like, a follow, or just picture. And it makes you smile because you're genuinely happy for them. You guys are thinking of a queer Asian podcast. The shared thought is there. You're thinking about something that's bigger than yourself or you're thinking of yourself. It really is smaller, big, quieter, loud. As long as you're using technology, you're a part of it, whether it is seen or not seen. Seriously, you guys are all a part of
0: it. And with that being said, it's our responsibility to continue to to fight for that, to fight for that space, whether that's against systemic oppression, but also to just... Be kind to one another. And like Carmi said, it really starts with something as simple as liking and following someone because that's validation. There's space for everybody online. And the internet can be a bad place sometimes, but there's also a lot of support and a lot of help. So if you as a queer person decide to start maybe going into your gender identity, Carmi said, wearing that bow tie that you wouldn't have felt comfortable displaying anywhere else. And you decide to post that online and share the story behind it and maybe put a hashtag, and I'm not used to this, I cut off my hair. And when people see that and they like it, even if it's, it seems, it may seem shallow to some people, like, oh, people just living for those likes and double taps and those subscriptions. But that is a big deal because truthfully, there are people who are watching and looking at it and cheering you on. And I think that's something that we, this is how I feel personally that we can support one another is whether silent or otherwise, that we are cheering each other on in our identities, that when we see that you are being brave and being yourself and learning from someone else, we're just all going like, you go, you know, you, you do you, you're doing great. And paying also gratitude to those who have been visible before us that allowed us to come out and have the bravery to be ourselves and to start exploring those queer spaces. And reminding ourselves that it may seem like it's just online, but it's, it's not. Like Carmi said, we're a part of it. Whether it's big or small, we are a part of it. And those interactions are valid even
1: if it isn't out, because some people aren't out, you know, there are varying spectrums to participation, right? There's some people that just participate on the low and that's fine. As long as y'all are participating safely and for your best health, that's, that's cool. Totally cool with that. I do want you to kind
0: of you know, even though for some of us who are living in places where we don't have access to other queer people and having that offline interaction, that queer space is really important online. But that's not to say that it can never come offline and that what you're doing online isn't something that's going to help you to expand your real, your so-called real world connections. And Carmi, you Have actually, you're such a networker and I'm so glad for it. I've told Carmi this before, but Carmi, you have actually, you're that type of person who you are, again, you're a doer. You are a go-getter. And have you actually been able to cross that region? Have you met any people from squad, like actually offline?
1: I was pretty much a very active person in college. So it's all of you guys who think computer science people are nerds just sitting down at a desk. Offline, totally different. They're really amazing women uh, that are leaders in tech, and I hope you all follow them and support them. That being said, I was so isolated in Denver that by the time Squad existed, I was ready to mix and mingle as a single person. You know, I just was looking for people like that have the same flow as me at that time. And I decided to organize an L.A. meetup because I love K-pop, just like Izzy. I love cultures. Life was very vibrant for me growing up in an immigrant community. And I grew up in Koreatown. So K-pop really came naturally to me because literally I was sometimes mistaken for Korean half of the time, living and growing up in Koreatown. And when I showed up to squad with all these people, to put it into contact, there were gay Asian guys from different neighborhoods, different jobs. There's a queer Asian girl there, she's Korean. One of my really great friends, she loves to travel like me. So there are these people that we had a loose link to each other, but we were all there showing up for each other. It was a really cool thing. And I, I actually will post pictures of our outing when we all first met each other because that was the first meetup I hosted. And what gave me the courage to post that meetup was Red Velvet. I'm I'm about to sing some red velvet right now. I'm holding myself back. Just oh my Just my God. to
0: interject, Carmi, remember we are going to do it. We are going to do a podcast episode eventually on K-pop. It's funny how we're talking about how you have made real uh, offline connections through Squad because you created that meetup, and that's yeah. what we were saying earlier. Is how just because. And it's really awesome that we have a a space that we can return to online and to be our true LGBT selves. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen offline either. In fact, um, I have actually also met one of my online friends that I met on Squad in real life because it turns out that one of my friends, shout out to him, there was a K-pop night being hosted at this local karaoke place. It's the only karaoke place in Tampa that's real karaoke, and not the the one that I grew up seeing on TV that did not realize was real in the United States, where people just sing to the public in a bar. This is an Asian karaoke place, and they were having a K-pop night. So the first connection that I could get as soon as I saw, oh, there's an event happening that I feel close to because I love K-pop. I'm Asian. It's what I enjoy. And my friend's going to be there. The friends that you make online, they can also open up your doors to changing your life. The things that you do online will be able to transform the things that you do offline. My friend who I met at the karaoke night from Squad, he is actually the co-founder of a dance group, which he ended up telling me to audition for. And now I have added this life this to my life that I am now on a dance team. Thanks to that connection. And it all started from that online interaction and from us being ourselves and seeing one another, posting our stuff, liking each other's stuff and getting those connections and building that relationship.
1: Oh, wow. That's amazing that you also met your friend at a K-pop night because I wanted to continue and say when when I was at that K-pop night with my crew, I actually ran into another crew. So it was really like something out of a movie don't remember if it was a dance group I actually was approached like there was somebody who approached me and, and she asked me if uh, actually she didn't even ask me she identified me she was like I follow you on Instagram I think you follow me too maybe I don't know but you, you're on squad and I, I was like really I ha- I haven't really posted a profile or anything and she's like I don't know how but somehow I, re- I remember you and First of all, I'm kind of scared because you don't even know my name, but cool. We're obviously in a safe space. We got both of our friends here. So let's, you know, let's hang out. Let's get to know each other. And it turns out that she's Filipina. She's part of a dance crew. She was really humble about it, but, you know, she could dance. And we we both talked about she likes Twice and I love Twice too. Uh, We're all gonna, we're gonna save this for the K-pop, obviously. But what's important is that night, We got several people together and it really was a testament to just the way queer Asians want to be whether it was just me having some fun dancing or each individual whatever they were expressing that night it was totally genuine so you can't really say the the internet is an awful place at the end of the day i really do express a real amount of safety so if you're below legal aid and you're listening to this y'all need to look up some material online how to stay safe and by the way i want to say that if you really do want to meet up with people and y'all are a teen y'all can look up uh organizations like for example we have the la lgbt center here and at that center they actually have youth groups and i think uh p flag does too And your local high school gay straight alliance might have one too. And if you don't have one, you can always start one. Or you could wait until college like a lot of us did. With that being said, I have literally hosted small gatherings and it was just me being myself. I don't think my gatherings are for everyone. I think they're just for people that are really laid back that that want to connect. Following that, yeah, I experienced meetups on squad too, where I've made just a lot of friends. I, I won't disclaimer too much, but yes, I've also gone on dates in squad, though I've completely cut that cold turkey. I really am single for a very indefinite amount of time, not looking to date. But with that being said, memories are being made for people that want to make them. And Whether you're out, not out, in the middle, as long as you're listening to yourself and following the beat of your own drum, it's exactly what Izzy said. You are being validated, or if you don't really see that right away, just know that there is a definite space for you, big or small, in this technological space that you can really express yourself with in a way that is really unmatched. And it, it will take time for some of us to really fully express ourselves or just express ourselves a little bit. But it really is in what we do, what we see, who we interact with. And I think that's the beautiful part of this process with queer Asian spaces is for all of us to get to know ourselves first so that we can get to know everyone else and squad has been the coolest experience for me i would say that it's not perfect right i've experienced highs and lows on squad online and offline to be very personal with you all i was in a very serious relationship in denver and i also suffered a personal loss in my family so those were two major events that happened to me I came home and my friend introduced me to squad probably a month after coming home. And that has literally shaped my life now in 2019 because it's been how many months? Probably 10 months or a little less than 10, 9 to 10 months since I joined squad. And squad has been a part of my life every single day because of my initial participation in it. It is really shaped The next couple of years of my life, I've taken people with me on my Instagram journey and now my podcast journey uh, very personally to this chapter of my life where I'm really chasing my dreams and I'm sharing space with you guys to share your dreams too. any form of social media space online. It's designed for us and we we have it as a tool. But in reality, it's really in ourselves. And I know that's deep to say, but that's just who I am as a person. I believe in everyone finding their story, finding their own way and being authentic uh, no matter what. And I have faith that you all
0: will. Carmi, that was beautiful. And I 100% agree with you that we are the ones who shape the internet. There's a lot of talk about You know, the internet there are people that are mean on the internet. We can be. But deep down, like behind all of that, it's really coming from within us. So people can post their authentic lives. There are people who I've made friends with online who I even though I may have never met them, I know what's going on in their life and I follow their lives. They're just because we're online doesn't mean that we don't do life together. That we don't share moments that people share, you know, experience with us through our posts, like through our Instagram stories, things like that. You know, just remembering to be kind to each other and to use the tools that we've been given, this beautiful digital space, to use it for good and to support one another, because we are doing life with one another, and which spills over into our offline worlds. I think that we have had a very, very deep conversation, you know, like I said, Carmi and I went this podcast, really how our process works is that we just kind of, we have prompts. Yes. But we just really talk things out and discover things about ourselves in the process. All of this is going to be part of the big macrocosm of the digital. the queer digital space we're going to be throwing this podcast into and hoping that it helps each other. And if you've been following us since the beginning, since our very short beginning, because this hasn't happened that long ago, thanks for continuing to be with us and welcome back. And we have so much that we want to continue to bring into our discussion for our queer Asian community for this digital space.
1: I also want to wrap up too and let you all know the very last thing I do want to share is that it's okay to grow in this digital space. No one has to be perfect. I've been a victim of cyberbullying more than once, literally not too long ago. I was a victim of cyberbullying by a queer Asian and I've had to find forgiveness in that. No one is meant to be perfect online, but we all have the capacity to kind of learn and grow and second, know that it is a learning process with technology, and with yourself. And Izzy is somebody that really is uh, the poster child for that. I'm just a simple technologist. Izzy's the one that's like the, I guess you would say, watering the community with blooming, happy rainbow flowers. I don't God, know.
0: What I can't stop social working. <laughs> I got out of work to work, do this podcast work, and I cannot work, stop work. being a social worker. <laughs> Izzy, <laughs> likes to work, 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 work. I yeah. think from now, I do want to end our podcast with reminding people that there are resources out there, whether it is squad or this community in general, but if you are struggling you can reach out to their safe spaces in the online community. But just like in a more practical sense, I don't know if maybe many of us have probably heard about the Trevor Project. That's a hotline that you can call. And it's for LGBT people who are feeling suicidal or struggling emotionally. I don't actually know the number off by heart, which I should. But again, if you just Google Trevor Project, that's one of the resources that I can think of. And we'll probably actually Have further podcasts where we will continue to share resources as we help one another throughout our lives and as we grow in this online community and our offline worlds.
1: Yeah, everyone's growing. That's all I can say about this whole digital technology thing. This stuff is growing along with us, and that's cool, isn't it? I think it's cool. I'm a technologist. So, as much as Izzy is fostering our queer community here, I'm just, I'm pushing it along. I'm just pushing it along. And I'm always going to stand by everybody in this digital space and coming soon to a town near you, traveling, doing my little tech thing, East Coast, looking at you. And with that, we are going to wrap up. Thank you so much, Izzy. Thank you so much, everyone. Till next time, East T West represent. All right, take care, everyone.